Hey, it's Jermichael Jordan, and I want to welcome you back to Decoded. Decoded. you are back here with me this week i'm telling you we got something truly truly special in the making it's really happening right now as we speak today is our very first live interview with a special guest man and i couldn't think of anybody else to ask other than my good friend who i'm going to introduce you to in just a moment uh but you made history today man you are making history today on <laughs> good to know it, man for sure man i appreciate you for taking the opportunity and the time to do this it's an honor to be here, man. I do appreciate you uh, extending your arm and making me first guest, man. I'm glad to be sure, here. man. Welcome, welcome. So if you're not familiar with what Decoded is, it is my podcast. Uh, one of the things that we focus on is real talk, real life, real growth. And I believe that life is a journey. I feel like as we go through life, we realize throughout this journey just things that we possibly didn't pay attention to growing up that has propelled us to where we are today. So I feel like in order to know your future, they say you have to know where you've been. And I feel like in everything, there are hidden treasures deep, buried deep within us and deep within our experiences and our stories who make us who we are, but also foreshadow and give us an opportunity to see uh, just where we're going. And so uh, I just wanna welcome you again today. So before we get into our conversation, uh, cause I do know you, I brought you on because you real. you real, I'm real, you real. <laughs> And uh, I think yeah, that's what they say. I think your story uh, is one that is impeccable. I think it's a remarkable story. I think it's one that so many people need to hear. And so uh, we're gonna get into that in just a minute. Before we do, explain. Let's tell the people who you are. Yeah, so I'm Jakeem. The man introduced me. Um, so Jakeem, based here in Indianapolis right now, uh, 34 years old. So getting up there in age, hitting that mid tier. And right now, I'm working in the real estate industry, so I work in real estate development. Uh, we got a company down here in Indianapolis. Those things are going well. Um, new father, so life's treating me good, going through a lot of changes. My brother welcomed me on the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm excited to, to get some information out to the masses and, and share our stories and, and chop it up. So that's why I'm here. That's who I am. Dope, man. Just, just to hear you rattle off just those <clears throat> accolades already just blew my mind, bro, because I know where we started. I'll yeah. let Jakeem introduce himself, so I'm going to give you my personal introduction to who Jakeem is. So, <laughs> so it's only right that he was like one of the first guests because he's probably one of the people I've known the longest my my whole life. The first time I ever heard of Jakeem or met Jakeem, I did not like him. And let me tell you why. He probably had to be what, four or five years old. I always tell this story. And my mother... Kindergarten yeah, story. So my mother was, was your <laughs> kindergarten teacher. And she used to come home all the time because we're the same age and she used to brag about this jakeen kid this jakeen kid and just how smart he was and just how uh, advanced he was in his mathematics and and his reading and things like that <laughs> but it's almost like when she was saying it she was like looking at me like you need to step your game up and so i never met jakeen formally formally until we were in the sixth grade at blackhawk middle mm. school and we just so happened to sit down at the same lunch table together and i think we ate lunch together probably from sixth grade all the way through eighth grade all every every grade. single day bro so 
Uh, that's my little Jakeem story. And since then, we've grown to we've grown to like each other. We've grown to you know become brothers, man. So uh, that's my story. Um, but I want to take this opportunity to really just ask you some questions, man, and just really get your your life story. Uh, we all have a story. We all have a journey. And yours has so many ups and downs, twists and turns, so many highs, uh, a few lows. Uh, but look where you are today, man, and look where where God is doing in your life, man. So uh, basically, I just want you to tell the story kind of like, tell me, you, you, you're a high school football phenom. Should we, should we call it? Did I put too much sauce on it? Or was it just enough? <laughs> that might be a strong <laughs> word, but, I mean, I did a little something. Some. I mean, I was fortunate enough to uh... – you know, I played, so what was crazy, one of the first challenges is in middle school and even in peewee football, man, I was just this phenomenal running back. And uh, when I went to Snyder High School, there were a lot of phenomenal running backs at the time. So they reproached me freshman year. I had the envision that I was going to go to the NFL, be Barry Sanders, the whole nine. And they approached me freshman year and asked me to move to defensive back because we had four different tailbacks at the time. So long story short, it was a challenge. I thought about transferring. It's probably the first true challenge in life uh, from a from an endeavor standpoint. And, you know, I ended up making the change. I took the leap of faith. I wasn't happy about it. But long term, I took on the challenge and learned the position. It ended up working out for me because by the time I was a senior, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship, some scholarship opportunities. And I took one to Ball State University. Uh, went to Ball State, played there, um, was there from 2006 to 2010. When I went to college, quite frankly, without football, I had no intentions of going to college. Um, I was just enjoying football. Went to college. You know, one of the first things they asked you is, what do you want to major in? I said, I like money and I'm good at math. So I picked finance. But I really was majoring in football. So, you know, in high school, man, everything is uh, – I never really worked hard. You know, I mean, I worked hard, but I did everything off – I didn't work hard. I did everything just based off sheer talent. And I got to college and realized it was a different ball game. So throughout my college career, um, I didn't play as much as I wanted to. And, you know, that pretty much that hurt my ego sometimes, right? Some of your friends are playing or what have you. And I actually ended up getting kicked off the team my last year for failing drug tests. You know, I had a lot of good times at Ball State, 2006 to 2010. Um, we had a great season in 2008, was ranked in the country the entire nine. But when all that, all that manifested itself when it was the end of my career, and I realized I wasn't going to be able to go to the NFL. Um, I had to get a job. And at that point, I had never really had a job, thought about a career. And that whole finance thing came back. I didn't know finance because I didn't pay attention in college. I was a smart guy, but here I was with a 2.3 GPA and wasn't really sure what I was about to do because I expected to have another year uh, in college or I'd be going to the NFL. <clears throat> so that was the first time where I had to become resourceful. Got on the internet back then. It was Ash G's. Never had been to a job interview. Never had done any of that type of stuff and just worked a career fair. When you major in finance, one of the things that happens is when you're a new graduate, you envision that you're going to be working at one of these major investment firms. It's just it's the illusion working in the sky. You The skyscraper in the suit is what we call it. The, the S squared, the skyscraper in the suit. Well, that ain't reality. And I realized that a lot of the opportunities that were available were to go work in a bank. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing that, becoming a personal banker or becoming a financial advisor, whatever, I'm going to do it. And that's when I learned about full commission. Again, I was naive, ignorant at the time because I never had a job. So a guy was going down. I was meeting with Liberty Mutual. I was at his booth. And the guy had to go to the bathroom. 
just him going to the bathroom changed my life because the lady from across the hall, so it's, it's, a, it's a hall, right? We're in the arena. So there's obviously a walkway and then on each side, there's booths. She called me over. She was from Centos, Catherine Fusco. Never forget this lady. So I like the way you're working this career fair, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, she introduced me to the management trainee program. I heard the word management. I took the interview. I took the job, right? So that was my first job out of college, man. You know, mid-tier, not not high pay, standard 30 grand, right? So I'm doing that. It's my first job. I'm in a management trainee program. And, um, you know, it was hard. And, you know, but I had started, I had always been a person to think outside the box and make sure that the situations that I'm involved in suit my best interest. And I learned that because when I was at in college, I didn't do that. Um, when I came out of college, I said, never again will I be in a position where I don't work hard. I don't ever want to feel like that again. And then number two, I have to make sure I take control of my destiny instead of being dependent on others to create that for me. So when I went into that program, they started moving me out of the program because to your point, I was advanced. Well, they took me out of the program early because in our network, there's in our region, one of the plant managers had to go on maternity leave and she never came back. So they made me the plant manager, but I wasn't getting the plant manager pay. So what I started to realize was that, A, I wasn't happy, and B, I wasn't getting paid what I was worth. And then C, I realized once I came out of the program, I was going to have to go down a level and work my way back up to become a plant manager. So I had that discussion with them. And I did something that people didn't do back then. This is 2011. I thought about leaving. So I put my resume out there on Career Builder. I'll never forget this. And um, Target Distribution hit me up out the blue. And I had never thought about nothing. I'll just never forget calling my mom. I'm loading each trucks, man. I'm doing all this manual labor. And I'm like, man, I was I was content, but I knew I was worth more because I learned a lot. Like, it's like, I'm a plant manager. Like, why am I getting paid X amount? But a lot of people say you had to stay at a job for a certain amount of time. People thought I was crazy. So Target came and um, hit me up. This is right before the internet um, started popping off, and I went to, took the job at Target, right? Double my pay, right? I'm young. So at this point, now I'm starting to get a little arrogant, right? Because it's, boom, I just doubled my pay. At that point in time, I had just got evicted from my apartment, too, and I was on payday loans. So God came in and gave me this job by me taking that leap of faith, and I had made the commitment that no matter what, even if this job don't work out, it solves my biggest problem, which was finances at the time. But when you're young and you start making a good amount of money, it also starts to make you feel, starts to build up your ego. So I got to Target. And at this point in time, I had already had um, a DUI on my record. So I got to Target. And in the first week of my job, I got in a car accident and it was a DUI. By the grace of God, it was a no-call, no-show from but they still let me keep my job, right? So another thing that re-influenced my ego, my offensibility, right? So this Amazon company had been hitting me up, but I didn't know who they were in 2012. What ended up happening after seven months on a job with Target, it comes to the realization I had lied to them about what happened. Um, you know, I didn't want to tell them that I had been in some type of accident, what have you. So, man, eventually what ended up happening, though, come to the, um, it came to the light that they knew what happened. So I realized at that moment, I lost all credibility. And that's ultimately when I called Amazon. 
don't want to cut you off. I do want to. I want to address. I don't want you. I want to fly past that because you said something that was very profound, um, and that is the ego, right? You talked about the ego and yep. just first of all, let's back up. Before we get there, let's just talk about how life sometimes deals you things that you're not expecting. Uh, yeah. I think it's one thing that when we grow up, we expect a certain lifestyle. We expect to be doing a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Yours was to play NFL professional football. You know my story. My was yep. supposed to, I was going to Hollywood, bro. I went to Los Angeles, and I auditioned for, for yep. Paramount, Disney, and all these. That was my life. That's yep. what I was getting ready to do. And then you hit that wall to where you're like, wow, this may not happen. This may not be the road that mm-hmm. I was destined to travel. Sometimes, despite what we want, God has something totally different for us. But mm-hmm. the thing about it is, even to get to that point, we got to go through hell, bro. We got to go through hell. Yes, I, we do. Uh, there's this thing that I always talk about, and I talked about in our last season of uh, Dakota, it was uh, the valleys that add value. Like at some point between this adulthood journey that we're traveling, we are going to end up in a valley. And that valley looks so desolate. It looks like there's no hope. It looks like there's no future. It looks like we don't ever think we'll ever get out of that. I remember uh, when I lost my job, when I was working, and I lost it slash walked out of it. It's all the same thing. It's it's an interesting Mm -hmm. story. But I left there, number one, because kind of what you said, I felt like I wasn't being valued for my gifts and my talents and the things that I was bringing. And out of that ego, you say, you know what? I don't need this. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And then you leave that door that God has provided for you, that open opportunity, and you realize it is a real world out here. Now here you are mm-hmm. moving boxes at Target. For me, I was taking school pictures, bro. One of the most one of the yeah. most humbling things that has ever happened to me was when I was going, and there's nothing wrong with taking pictures. I, I'm a photographer as a hobby. But I was ended up having to go to the school that I graduated from, which I was doing. It was a theater school, so I was doing acting. I was the man over there. And I went over there to take pictures. And as I was leaving, packing up my stuff to leave, one of my old favorite teachers came up to me and she said, where did we go wrong? Mm. How did we fail you? Almost to say that what I was doing was beneath her expectations of me. And that Mm -hmm. humbled me so much because it goes to show that people don't know your situation. They look at you on the outside, but they don't know the really things that you go through, the things that you have to deal with, right? And so for you and your Valley experience, can you just tell me how you felt at that moment where you were like, man, I got this DUI, I got this job, I got all of these great things that I might lose in a matter of moments simply because of a mistake? It's hard. I mean, it challenges you to, it puts you in a position to where if it's the first time you've never been before. For me, I had always kind of been on a pedestal. Right. I had always been that guy, if you will. So to continue to try to present yourself as that guy and know that you're capable of doing that guy things, um, you come to realization when you get challenged, you're not that guy and you're not that guy. You're human, just like everybody else. And the skills and things that allows you to get to the positions that you're in um, up until this point aren't going to work anymore. It's one thing to do that stuff superficially or do it to get immediate, you know, gratification or immediate things. But it's not something, it's not an approach you can use to build a foundation, right? Um, And 
it forces you to look internal. And you want the question you asked was, how does it feel? Looking back on it, it makes you insecure. Um, makes you very insecure. And to think that you're confident and to think that you're a secure individual, you get stripped of things and put in a position to where those things aren't available. You start to realize who you are and you realize, again, you're not that guy. Bro, that's, that's you hit the nail on the head. Because I remember feeling like, yo, at one point I was on top of the world. People looked at me as this guy. He got it all together. He comes from a good home, comes from a good family. He's so talented. Yep. He can speak well. He can he's He does all these great things well. And on the inside, I knew that I wasn't that guy. <laughs> I knew what I, I always felt like I was. But that humbling moment makes you feel like that. And one of the things that I realized is that when you're in your valley experience, bro, it creates insecurity. And if you're not careful, that insecurity can become your crutch. When I say it can become your crutch, you get into a place where you almost begin to feel sorry for yourself and feel like it's okay to feel because they don't know my story. They don't know what I'm going through. So it's okay for me to down these pills. It's okay for me to throw these, throw this alcohol back, 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 because they don't know my story. If they only knew what I was going through, they wouldn't judge me. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, um, did you ever go through that moment where I went through major depression, bro, like major depression, I wrote, I talk about it in my last pass, uh, decoded. I became a person that I didn't recognize. That's a place of shame that is a hard place to get out of. Yeah, shame and guilt stuff. Um, you can take over your whole life. And, I mean, I've obviously definitely been there. Um, depression. Um, dark places. And, again, going back to earlier... Once the things that you placed all your value on aren't present, will that be material things, a relationship, money? <clears throat> Once all those things evaporate at one time, you're only left with yourself. And if you've never put the time in to building up yourself, then it's just you under a bunch of rubble. And trying to climb up out of that rubble alone, and the reason you're alone is because how you got there, you can't express to anybody because you're ashamed to, and because you never showed them the real you. So now that you actually need help, you can't get help because A, you're scared of what people are gonna think, and B, you never showed them who you really were. And that is the loneliest place I've ever been. And when you try to fight these battles alone, bro, because you've been fighting so long, like you said, you. You start to create this identity of, I can get through anything. I can overcome anything. Especially when you're an athlete, bro. It's, I can do anything. I can outwork this. I can overcome this. But God puts things in front of you that you just can't overcome. It's just stuff that you have to grow and live through. And um, those challenges that I've been presented with from God have been the hardest ones I've ever had to go through. But I'm thankful that I was given the opportunity to get through them because not everybody makes it through them, and that's God's choice. And I think that's where you look at gratitude and appreciation as you get through them and appreciate the fact that you did have that experience. It might have sucked when you went through it, but at least you was afforded the opportunity to live through it and learn from it. And the question is, what you going to do with it now? That's powerful, bro. <laughs> that's gold. That's gold. Yeah. I, uh, I recognize what you're talking about so much. 
we've had conversations outside of this conversation that we won't get into, but I know your heart. I know your struggles. I know the things that you've had to deal with. Some of them are very similar to mine. And I remember going through my valley, bro. Like, it was that point where it was kind of like, I can't outwork myself out of this place. I can't, I can't work right. myself out of this. I can't call on or depend on the people that I always felt like I could. It felt like they turned away from me. It felt like people that I mm. was family, like they'll always be there. I wake up one day and they got problems with me. And I'm like, where is this hat? Where is this coming from? And you just find yourself stuck. And you can also find yourself in a place of blaming people. Uh, I think those moments are when, like you said, God puts a mirror in front of your face and he allows you to just look over your entire life and just to see not where did I go wrong, but what information did I survive that I misinterpret? And so did you ever go through that experience where even just uh, trauma from your past began to show up in your present that was keeping you stagnant? Yeah, I mean, you... <clears throat> That place can make you very resentful and you can put a lot of blame on people for things like you said that are occurring to you. And when it comes to the family aspect, I came from the same type of home. I mean, we grew up around the corner from each other. And on paper, things were great. We're the Cosby's, right? And I think that philosophy as you get older when things happen, especially when you have friends that are not in that situation, you feel guilty for having negative emotions or negative feelings. You don't feel like well, if I, I should be grateful, and it's this internal conflict, and people will look at you like, what are you complaining about? Well, even if, you know, there is internal issues within your family, you know, people like to compare war stories, so you're not comfortable talking about those things, and then within your own family, you know, just given maybe everything's not, <clears throat> doesn't align with, you know, Maybe what I'm going through is different than what anybody else has experienced or spoken on. Maybe there's stuff that I'm going through that I observed other people going through, but I'm okay talking about it. And maybe I'm in a place where I'm desperate and I need to talk about it, but it could result in judgment. So it's a hard thing to, to balance between when you've never had to talk about stuff, you've never really been open, especially in our community. There's topics that are taboo. Um, and when you bring those things up and you get those types of responses, it can create resentment. Um, because you expect that person to understand where you're coming from, but society, societal-wise, culturally, that's just not how it is. And the reality is, is it all really stems back to one thing that I've realized, and something I heard from T.D. Jakes a couple of years ago, something we all need to realistically think about, is we hold people accountable to expectations they're not aware of. And there's three types of people in our lives. I'll give you an example. But TDJ said there's there's confidants, there's comrades, and there's constituents, right? A constituent or a confidant is the person you can confide in, right? Like if you're lucky if you got one. You need one, but you have to have one confidant, somebody you can be completely honest with. That's the problem. A lot of us don't have people we can be completely honest with. So we're, we're a little bit honest here with this person here. With, you need one confidant. That's that person you can talk to about anything. Then you got comrades. You know, comrades are... You guys are for the same cause, right? So maybe y'all work together, right? As long as we working together, we for the same mission, we friends. But how many people have you worked with and then you guys are no longer working together and that friendship ceases? Then you got the constituents. They're for what you're about, right? What you can provide to them. Like maybe I'm your 
personal trainer, right? And as long as you are training me, I'm forward with sure about you can provide this service to me. But once I'm comfortable with my physique and I've gotten what I need from you, it's deuces. So I said that to say this. A lot of times we put people in that confidant position and they never yeah, signed up for that. Work. And then we get upset with those people for not being there for us. You know what I'm saying? Or you can consult somebody in your family about, you know, I went through a period of time where, you know, alcohol caused some problems for me. But if somebody else hasn't experienced that, and I continue to talk to them about that, I'm upset because they don't support me along my journey. It's not their responsibility because there's people and forums and and venues to support you in that. You just don't want to go there. So to your point, it's just like, you know, I've come through this from a family standpoint, a friend standpoint, realizing that I put unfair responsibility on other people and then hold them accountable to that responsibility, but it never really was their role in the first place. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Absolutely. I think I think and I think it goes it goes beyond just like you said, coworkers and friends. It goes to family members, it goes to spouses. Um a lot of times a lot of marriages mm. fail simply because there's an expectation that one person has that the other person doesn't even know exists. Uh, even when you mm. look at just the, the, the differences between males and females when they come into marriages, right? There's this idea of what marriage looks like uh, for a little girl. When she's a little girl, she says, one day I'm going to kiss a frog, I'm going to meet Prince Charming, and we're going to live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. For us who were dudes, we're like, man, one day I'm going to get a fine female, we're going to have lots Hell of babies, yeah. and yeah. that's it. Mm -hmm. But we forget about the nuances of, of, of making a house, a home together, making things work. Me and you, let's talk about it. I mean, mm -hmm. we grew up, we were high school, we were rambunctious. We were rambunctious, right? Yeah. And if there's certain mm -hmm. things that we did not kill off in our childhood that followed us into our adulthood, and now we're dealing with it or trying to figure out how to deal with it because we didn't kill it then. And I always say, and this is something else I heard Bishop Jake say, uh, before he said, um, inside every man, every grown man is a little boy. Inside boy. every grown man is a little boy, and every side, every grown woman is a little, every grown woman is a little girl. And so, mm -hmm. I think what we have to start doing is accepting people for who they are, the authentic version of themselves, the authentic versions of ourselves. And when number one, when you only play, when you play to please one person, which is God, none of that other stuff matters it's about your relationship mm -hmm. with him if your heart is pure if you know the things that you are doing and seeking in life is pure everything else falls into place and so we have to free ourselves from holding people accountable for our feelings and our emotions and we have to number one take it to him and when he supplies us with the, the information that we need to heal then we can become better people life is about looking in a mirror right whatever you don't mm -hmm. like about yourself you're going to see in every person that you meet. Whatever you don't like about yourself, you're going to continue to perpetuate it and you're going to meet it in new people. That's why people get in and out of relationships over and over and over again because it's one thing that hooks them, but then it's another thing that tears them up inside because they have not dealt with it about themselves, right? When you see people who've been in marriages, three or four marriages, which is, it happens. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming, but there are, there's something, there's a root of something happening in you that is forcing things not to progress or work out with other people. And instead of playing the blame game, instead of accusing other people for not uh, holding you down, 
we have to realize like what is it about me that's that's keeping me stuck i think what's interesting about that is that we're selfish creatures right by nature we're sinners and selfish creatures and at the end of the day my thought process monics i'm conscious and cautious of this myself we all, we all go through different seasons right and as you go through different seasons just like it requires different attire like in the winter you need a coat in the summer you wear shorts so things change the same goes with how we leverage people and here's what i mean by that sometimes you could be going through a season where you need something maybe you're lonely right because for whatever reason maybe you just lost that i did this i lost everything and you know i met a young lady i wasn't prepared for a relationship but it was such a positive i needed something positive in my life it felt good so i engaged in that relationship right but once that wears off you still have the relationship right so to your point it's we put people in positions sometimes to fill voids within our own life and sometimes we do that in marriage um i think another thing that happens too that we're always shooting for the target right whether it be a societal target a target we put on ourselves i got to do this by a certain age and it compromises our um our evaluation so i think you know when you talk about relationships i'm guilty of it relationships marriages what have you a lot of those boys that exist could either be things that happen in my adulthood or they could be things that happen in my childhood maybe i have abandonment issues maybe your dad left whatever the case may be so I try to, my whole relationship is revolves around trying to prevent this person from leaving me. It's not about actually love. It's not actually about building a bond. It's about strictly nurturing that need that I have. And if that person doesn't nurture that, then there's conflict. And, you know, that's just a, a negative way to approach things. I'm guilty of that myself. You're absolutely right. And, and that goes back to when you said it's holding, it's almost holding people hostage. To, for my healing, I'm holding the hostage to heal me, and that's so unfair to, uh, it's unfair to that person, and ultimately it's unfair to you. Um, one of the things that we don't talk about, uh, and when I say us, we don't talk about, I talk about just our community, and this is a well-known fact. We we don't talk about therapy, right? We don't talk about going and seeking help, and I'm one of those people. I'm all for therapy. Mental health is so important, and I didn't realize how important mental health was until I got older. And realize, like, maybe, mm. maybe I'm not as normal as I think I am, or maybe I'm very normal. And people just, you know what I mean? What is normal? <laughs> what is normal? Because we all deal mm -hmm. with things differently. But one of the things I always say about therapy is, well, I do encourage it for those who can do it. Um, at the end of the day, therapy is nothing but sitting on a couch and verbalizing, and someone telling you and teaching you how to verbalize what you're feeling on the inside. And a lot of times we don't, we suffer because we don't verbalize how we really feel. We deal with those things in our head, right? I, I told you the other day, it's almost like having a, a little pecan inside of a coffee can. It just, here it is. It's something in here and I'm just rattling around, but it's not until I take the lid off that it can spill out and it can breathe, right? And I feel like that's what we're doing here. I feel like that's what Decoded is. This is what this podcast mm -hmm. is allowing us to get out those feelings, those emotions uh, that we probably wouldn't tell people or we probably we probably never heard it until we've said it. So um, you hit the you hit the nail on the head, bro, for sure. Yeah, this is healthy, man. I, I mean, this feels good. Um, you you have been a big proponent of that, 
and we don't talk about it. In person, that's one of my biggest problems. And I think as we talk about our stories and our journeys, I mean, really, really, when stuff hits the fan, it's really just all that stuff that's been pinned up over the years that you continue to, to push down by putting things on top of it, whether it be titles, relationships, whatever the case may be, it eventually comes to the surface. And at some point, you're going to have to deal with it. And then, you know, at some point, you're going to have to deal with it. Some of us, it hits us early. Some of us, it don't hit us until late. But the question becomes, at what point do you need additional help to deal with it? And that's where the therapy comes into play because it's a fine balance between a lot of us get therapy, to your point, stand on this theme by holding other people hostage, right, for our own healing. But it is just a, it's a crazy concept of like, you know, everything's fine. I just need to, once I make more money, everything's fine. Or I just need to get out of this relationship and then everything will be fine. And then you just keep having these reoccurring things present themselves in different costumes. And then you start the hard, the hard discussion you finally have to say with yourself is like, dang, I'm the common denominator. In all, all of these things, I'm the common denominator, regardless of what, what arena it's in. And sometimes you have to ask a question like, what's wrong? And like you said, maybe I'm normal, maybe I'm not, but I know something's wrong. And I need to be really, really honest about myself. And the thing that's helped me a lot lately, personally, bro, that true word, being brutally honest. Not just being honest. You got to be absolutely brutally honest, right? It's just like I'm going to use one and nobody get offended. It's just like working out, right? <clears throat> like if I look at myself in the mirror and I'm not happy with my physique, I could blame it on depression. I could blame it on this. But the reality is, I just don't go to this. I just don't. I just don't go to the gym. You just won't. You just won't do it. And it's like being brutally. You know what? I just haven't been the best boyfriend. Like if it's relationship, Kevin, I need to improve. I'm not a great listener, right? Maybe I'm just not good at this. Maybe I do got a lot of wounds and I need some help. But it's starting to get brutally, brutally, brutally honest with yourself, so you can have a clear, clear eye view of exactly where you stand. And if you're aware of where you stand, it can help you be aware of what actions you're taking and you can see the path in front of you. But until you don't know, you're really flying blind. So being brutally honest, man, I think is is really how to prevent, not prevent. It's a tool that can help you navigate all these waters we're talking about. And I'm going to add something else to that. I feel like I don't care how old you are, how long you are. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs somebody that they can look up to and say, you know what, this is where I am. I admire this about that person. This is where I would like to be. And ask questions, how did you get there? How did you get to this emotional stableness? How did you become confident in this area to do these things? Uh, but you don't hold them hostage. <laughs> Realize that your mentor is only there to show you the way. They're not going to do it for you. Right? Mm. They can't do it for you. And I think every person, I don't care how old you are, how wrong you are, you need a mentor. And the second thing that I want to add to what you said, because it was so powerful, is that after you're brutally honest, right, there has to be a place of forgiveness, right? There has mm-hmm. to be a place of forgiveness for those you feel hurt you, and then you have to forgive yourself, right? Until you can forgive yourself, until you can forgive uh, yourself for being guilty or shameful for whatever it is, bro, you're never going to completely heal, right? God gave... God sent his son, right? And I'm not, I'm a preacher by heart, but I'm not going to make this churchy, spiritual or not. You, you know me. But it's like, God sent Jesus 
as a grace, as a gift to us. So if he sent his son for grace, then why is it so hard for us to extend it for ourselves? Why do we why do we hold on to things when God has told you, like, I sent my son to forgive you of those things? So you have a clean slate. When you accept him, when you accept me, you have a clean slate, bro. But yet we still hold on to these feelings and these emotions, and you don't have to. Like, God created us to live free, bro. And so after you have been brutally honest, after you have laid the cards on the table, you see your shortcomings, the next thing you have to do is forgive yourself and figure out, you know, what do we do next? How do I get better? How can I improve? Mm. So I think that's where, I know that's where I am in my life at this point. Three years ago, or two last three years, bro, it was it was bad. But I finally got to this point, bro, where I can smile every day, bro. I'm joyful. It ain't nothing you can say to me. You can't criticize me to the point to where I just can't get out of the bed no more, bro. I've finally become whole, I believe. And I ain't going to say whole because I feel like we're always going to grow. But I'm closer to being whole than I was. And, uh, and I, I count mm-hmm. it all to just, you know, since finding love in God, bro, finding love in myself. And then secondly, just understanding my purpose, right? Getting to the point to where I understand my purpose and my mission. And what I realized is that I had to go through my valley experience. I had to go through all the things that I went through, uh, not for me specifically, just for me, but so that I could help other people in various ways. Mm-hmm. And when you can get to the point where you can turn your pain to your purpose or your pain into your passion, your mission, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And um, I just know for a fact, man, like you, I, I'm just so proud of you. Like sitting here, looking at you in your eyes, talking to you, hearing you how how you're explaining yourself, how you're just verbalizing, bro. I don't know. I don't know if I would have got that from you two years ago. I don't know if I would have got you from this place to where you're at right now. I don't know if I would have got that. And so I just want to tell you that I admire you, bro. I'm proud of you. Um, the best is yet to come. It's not over. And uh, I'm just excited on the other side. I just want to be around and be like, hey, man, I knew. I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, we had everything together, man, and I appreciate that, man. I'm glad you spoke on that. Past year has been rough, and um, starts to been hardest years of my life, man. Um, and I've gotten to a place now to, like you said recently, where I can smile. On paper, things are good. Internally, things were not. And um, inside, I was empty. And, you know, I'm at a place now where I've made those deposits. Um, I've recalibrated. I'm seeing I've come out of the storm and things have meaning now. Before things didn't have meaning, they were just things. And, um, you know, I appreciate all of this. You're right. Two years ago, uh, I was lost. I was just a lost. I was lost man at sea. And, you know, through friendship, through fellowship, the power of God, family, um, Everything, man, it's just been, um, it's a blessing. And that's truly how you have to look at stuff, man. Gratitude. And, you know, I'm internally grateful for everything. You know, we, people don't even realize sometimes when you call, man, you really just, some of those times when you picked up the phone and other people, and even if I wasn't making sense, it was like, it helped me get to where I'm at today. And I just genuinely want to thank you for that and anybody that watches this, that, been a part of this journey with me was affected by it negatively you know i apologize and you know with all that being said man glad where we at and and then to do now but move forward man and write the next chapter so thanks man we going off we going off we taking off man we taking off mm-hmm. and uh i just did everything you said man i appreciate it and uh i guess for 
for the rest of you all who's listening in on this conversation, man, this is really, I, I'm going to be honest, I forgot y'all was here. <laughs> this is me and my brother talking, and, uh, and, and I, everything that is expressed in these podcasts is our own perception. This is our life story. These are things that we've lived. We're not specialists. We're not, we don't have PhDs in these things. We're just individuals living life, mm-hmm. having experiences, and then telling you how we got through it or how we're dealing with it, man. So thank you so much, man, for sharing your story. Anything else you want to add? Any socials you want to drop? Anything you got coming up you want to share? Yeah, no, nah, man. I don't want to make none of this about me. You know, too much of my life has been about me. You know, I just want to share anybody that's listening. You know, I don't care how dark it is. You know, you might not be able to see the light, and it sounds cliche, but the light is coming. Stay strong. Stay out there. Jermichael's email is on here. If you guys ever want to chat and need somebody in your corner, hit them up. Let me know. Um, I know how it feels to feel alone, but just keep fighting, you know, because you'll come out the other side. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what you have, things can be rebuilt. Things can be rebought. So make sure your soul is good. Nurture yourself. Work on your foundation and become whoever you want to be. Nothing can hold you back. And that's all I want to share with people. Well, listen, man, thank you all again for tuning in for another Decoded Real Talk, Real Life, Real Growth. And remember, I love you, and I'm your biggest fan. Until we talk again, don't forget to continue to decode your greatness. We out of here. Y'all be good. Decoded.